Good Sunday morning. This is Mike Sarig, the voice of Vital Ministries. It's good to be with you on another beautiful Sunday. It is fantastic outside. It's hard to believe it's February, but it's a big day today. Obviously headed for church for those of you who are traveling this morning and you turned it on the radio station this morning. We are so glad you are with us today as you travel. Be safe out there as you, as you go and watch out for some, sometimes there can be some slick spots out there, especially on those road pathways. Um, but just be careful out there as you travel this morning. Also too, those of you who are headed for church, just glad you tuned in this morning. Thank you for being part of Vital and also too, as you head for worship, I just pray that it's uh, just a good morning for you as you come together as a church family. Also too, Many of you have said, Mike, this is our uh, my service. I sit at home and listening to you. Just thank you so much for uh, being part of Vital. And uh, just let us be a part of your morning. It just, uh, it's important. I, I love to hear the comments that people come up and say, and hey, we listened uh, uh, to Vital Ministries on Sunday morning. And just a lot of people out there that listen are just faithful. And I just want to tell you, thank you so much. But uh, also, too, don't forget to, this next week, next Tuesday, is Valentine's Day. Men especially, make sure you get get a card, get some flowers, candy, or whatever that uh, your wife likes. Make sure you pay attention to the February 14th, Tuesday holidays. Just a, another uh, a great day of t to remember and a, a day of remember of the, the day of love, for better words of saying. So just uh, enjoy that day and uh, just don't forget. Um, as we get ready to head, we had a fantastic uh, warrior breakfast this past uh, Saturday. We had an incredible group of men show up, and it just excited me. And just how many men came? They came from all over. We're, we were having it at the Lighthouse Church up in New Sharon. As a matter of fact, our next one is going to be on March 4th. You don't want to miss that. But what's cool about that, we started at 8 o'clock in the morning. We got men coming all the way with uh, from uh, clear to Colfax, from Newton, from Prairie City, to uh, uh, Knoxville, Eddyville, Tumwa, just the surrounding areas, just people, men are showing up, and we are excited about that. It's just a good time. Well, I always tell men to this, especially if they come from another community, I encourage them to come, see what we're doing, and take it back to their community because it's just a great time as men. I believe it's time for men to rise again, once again, like we uh, once was, especially during the Promise Keepers uh, time, men were rising. We have become dormant again and quiet, and it is no greater time than this for us to be up and having a voice and speaking out, leading our families well. It's just an important time, so I encourage you not neglect your time as such as this. But we are continuing this morning. This is our, our uh, final teaching on the book of Galatians, a letter written by Paul who was once named Saul, is a new creation in the body of Christ. Paul has been very intense in this book, using words like, I am a shocked, oh foolish Galatians, and listen, I, Paul, tell you this. These are intense words, but Paul was on a mission to speak truth. And it's important uh, at times, as it was then, as it is today. A time for truth, a time for speaking, a time to see what the cloudiness that has had in the midst of all things that are going on back in the day as it was in Paul, as it is in our day. It's no greater time from the pulpits should be speaking out truth and speaking what God is saying. We don't hear that kind of intensity in our, our churches much today. Teachers and preachers are more inclined to speak words that satisfy their listeners. They might very well be... Uh, be why I believe that the condition of the church as it is, it's a passive state of mind. We don't talk about sin or even begin to name the fear um, 
because we're afraid our people will get upset and even leave the church. It's sad. Last week we read Sin's Name by Paul in Galatians 5, 19-22. And I just think it's important for us just to, just to not to, I'm not going to speak into them, but just to name them so we are aware of them, of what they are. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, and wild parties. Paul just names them, just to name a few it says. But we've become obsessed with looking at the sin, in my opinion, on homosexuality and transgender, while other sins come into the church and we rationalize that they aren't the same level as the other two. Even now, some of you might be listening this morning and might be considering changing the channel, but I pray that you that you won't. You'll continue to listen. As we studied Paul's closing statements in this letter of hope, it shows us what it means to have what I believe incredible works of freedom. So let's jump into Galatians chapter 6 this morning, the final chapter, and see what the Holy Spirit has for us today and see what this letter has for us. And again, I just want to remind everyone that Paul it has started this church. He is he is a church planter, and that's what the Galatian church was, which was modern-day Turkey. Yeah, we definitely pray for those folks over there, just with the travesties that have happened, especially with all the earthquakes and, and all the things that are going on, and just the devastation that's, that's, that's happening around the world, and, and just things that just within the earth itself. But let's jump in this morning. We're going to look at our first point, point number one, the liberty of love. And we're going to look at Galatians 6, 1 through 10. And this is what it says, Dear brothers and sisters, if any, if any other believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back into the right path. And be careful not to fall into that same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens in this way. Obey the law of Christ. And if you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. Those who are taught the word of God should provide their teachers sharing all good things with them. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest the decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who are alive to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap the harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Now, we're going to jump into this pretty hard, uh, hard this morning because there's a lot of stuff that's going on. But first we look at Paul's talking about bearing one another's burdens. Paul hits the legalist mindset with the unwillingness to bear another person's burden. The legalist is always harder on the other person than they are for themselves. Let's be honest here. We live in a me world. The legalist only cares of what he can get out of the situation and doesn't care how it affects the other person. But now, let's look at the contrast of the spiritual person who is led by the Holy Spirit. A person of faith will reach out to and brotherly love. The person who once had faith has fallen back into their own depravity of sin. I want to share a story with you this uh, this morning about a man that I've that I've 
spent a lot of time with in our life. We've come back and forth in the situation. And a long time ago, this this we were both young, and this man was uh, he came to work for me. Man, he was a big guy. He was stood six foot six. He was a big man and full of energy and full of vitality. And but the only problem is he he had an addiction. And both he and his wife just struggled in this addiction. It was it was um, a drug addiction. But he kept working with me, and we kept trying and and doing different things. And and uh, man, my, the the Lord just put a passion for me to to help this this uh, this man. He's been in and out of uh, jail and just struggles in his own life. But as he was working for me, we just we kept working and kept working. But the only problem was I didn't see change. It wasn't. This is a lot of times that happens with a persons with addictions. If they don't have what a lot of people would say in the addictions, my father quoted to me this statement itself. If they don't have the God of want it, there's nothing that you can do for them, and that is so true. They've got to want it for themselves. Well, this young man, as he was working for me, just continued to struggle in it, and what I so tried to get him to come to church and and different things, and matter of fact, even tried to help him get his first home. And that was an absolute disaster for him and both me as well. But finally, it came to a point where this young man, there was nothing more that I could do. He was missing a lot of work. He was allowing his addiction to control his behavior at work itself. So finally, it came to a point that we had to part company. Well, in that that parting of company, throughout the years, we kept meeting back and forth, coming, coming along each other, seeing each other, and he'd call me out of the blue, and we'd hook up, and... He'd come to church one or two times, but the only problem is is still struggled with the addiction. But most recently, I when I was having time when I was now it was time for me to go to the hospital, he'd called me before and said, Mike, if you would, I, I I'm just I wouldn't blame you if you didn't come, but if you'd come and see me, I'm in the hospital. I've got uh I've got diabetes in my foot, or excuse me, diabetes, and that because of that, there's things in my foot my feet that have had, they've had to amputate some of my toes off and whatnot. But he says he came to the end of his rope. He came to the end of himself. And he let me know, he said, Mike, for the first time, I've truly accept Jesus Christ to be my savior. So I went and I went into his room and man, I tell you what, tears were flowing on both of us, man. We just met and hugged and greeted each other. And it was, it was like a I saw a new man's, a new creation. Something had shifted in this man's life. Now we're both older. And one of the hardest things that he had to do is because his wife was still struggling with the addiction. He said, I will no longer go back. And she was angry about that. And she said, if you're not willing to live how we want to live, then we don't need to be together anymore. So what happened was eventually is they parted company and it appears that their marriage is going to end in divorce. But this man told me, he says, Mike, it's all worth it. Everything that's happened in my life has brought me to this this moment. I have been changed. I want to follow Jesus Christ as my Savior. I want to do what He wants in my life. Since then, we still continue. He calls me quite often. He goes, hey, can you throw me something down? And what he means, can you throw me down a prayer? So I call. So he calls and and uh, I throw him down something. I throw him down a prayer. But I, I, I love this man. I see the transformation in his life. And 
trying to walk alongside him again. But see, you never know. Sometimes it's the burden of coming along somebody, because just like what Paul says, we can go and we can look down on people that are struggling in their midst of life. And sometimes people struggle for a period of time. But I think it's important for us that we don't give up, that we stay along people, that we, we have a concern, we have a burden. And I hope that even this morning, that maybe that story touches you in some way to realize maybe somebody has put a person in your life and you just walk with them, you don't see any change. But I encourage you to allow the Holy Spirit to work. You see, I believe that God truly brought him back into my life again because it was a physical part of redemption this man needed. It was only done by the Holy Spirit and was infilled in it was um in, in filled in me in Galatians 5:22 the fruits of the spirit which is love in Galatians 5:13 by love serve one another God had me take this man's burden in order to help restore him and him physically and the Holy Spirit worked the restoration in this man's life spiritually See all too often the legalist He'll rejoice when a brother or a sister falls, thinking justice has been served. That's not anything what Christian faith is about. All of us, to be honest with you folks, even this morning as I, as I make that statement, it's hard not to have that thought when somebody has brought injustice or somebody has fallen in the spiritual walk. But see, it's important that when we help restore a person in their faith, that we walk in the spirit of meekness and in love. I love what 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says and puts it this way. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. It takes great courage and love to approach a person who has fallen back into sin and allow the Holy Spirit to help you walk with that person again. I want to read out of Matthew chapter 7, 1 one through seven this morning. I think this is really, really important to look where what Jesus talks about. And I think it's a challenge for us even this morning. It says this, and these are red letter words. These are words that were spoken by Jesus himself. Jesus says this, do not judge others and you will not be judged for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you are using as judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own? Hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy, and don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample their pearls when they turn and attack you. Now there's a lot of stuff that's going on in this portion of, of the Bible, but it just helps us to see about judging. And also too about looking critically upon other people who have literally fell. So we can pass judgment on somebody with preconceptions about them and how they look, how they handle themselves, or, or simply judging by what others say. When you live in a small community, generally speaking, people will know and have they'll know your thoughts, your motives, in your actions. See, in verse 6 through 10, Paul is talking about, we're going to make a shift here as we as we move from the judging. Paul now, he makes a shift. He, Paul is now talking about money that teaches that we should be, that teachers should be compensated for the time and their effort. Now, Paul wasn't wanting money for himself because he worked in the ministry by, by tent making. That's how he made his own money. That's how he survived. But he did this, he, he did take offerings in order to help 
the ministry in which God had provided and asked him to do. And he offered by speaking directly to the teacher. As an example, it, it just it kind of helps you to understand what happens in the midst of a pastor or a teacher in a church. See, a pastor or teacher has to work, and, 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 and even in my own life, I am now a pastor up in uh, Lighthouse Church up in New Sharon, a part-time pastor. See, I get stipend for my time, for the time that I work there, and, and, and it helps the efforts in which that I do amidst of the church. And I think it's important for us to understand that, that that's important to help out when somebody is doing something for the church and should be compensated for their time. To be honest with you, to prepare a sermon, a sermon will take a minimum of as much as anywhere from 12 to 20 hours to prepare and to get and to make ready. It's an investment. So you're, in, you're investing in that person and that person who's trying to bring the word of God. So you can either do this in the midst of your efforts of helping someone financially. You can either, what Paul said, you can either invest in the flesh or you can invest in the spirit. And we'll reap what we sow. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 puts it this way. He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully will also reap bountifully. See, the believer who walks in the spirit sows in the spirit and will reap spiritual harvest. If you sow generously, the harvest will be bountiful. That's important for us to understand. Here's an example. People who struggle with tithing and think the pastor is just wanting money, in my opinion, is missing it. See, a spirit-filled pastor knows that money runs a church just much like a business. In a church, you have to pay utilities. You have to pay for uh, continuing updates within the church that are needed, buying supplies, paying the help that's there. It takes and costs money, and that's why tithe is important when you give to a church. When people tithe and are generous to the church, everyone profits. You Often often people think that tithing is simply a 10% effort. But if you go back in the time, it's, it's, it's bigger than that. If you go back and look in the book of Acts, the church gave as the need required. That means more. It's not that I have to get, that I have to get, in order, I have to give to tithe. It's more important that I get to tithe. Money is a heart condition, and oftentimes we have to ask ourselves in the process, "How's your heart in that process?" But we're going to jump to point number two this morning, is where time is really rolling. Point number two is the mark of freedom, and we're going to finish out this book and see what Paul has to say. Now he says this, starting with verse eleven. Notice what large letters I use as I write these closing words in my own handwriting. Those who are trying to force you to be circumcised want to look good to others. They don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save. And even those who advocate circ circumcision don't keep the whole law themselves. They only want you to be circumcised so they can boast about it and claim you are their disciples. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of the cross, my interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. It doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. They are new people of God. From now on, don't let anyone trouble trouble me anymore about these things, for I bear on my body the scars that show I belong to Jesus Christ. Dear brothers and sisters, 
May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you in spirit. Amen. See, Paul concludes this letter with the salutations. Doesn't like, not normal like he's done before with a farewell, as you see in many of his other letters, like grace of the Lord be with you. But he writes a whole paragraph with big letters in it. He did it so that the Galatians would understand, don't miss this. Paul wanted to finish this letter emphasizing that you could either live a life of bondage or a life of liberty and freedom in Christ. Paul, again, hits the legalist hard in his final writings, basically saying the legalist is a bragger. He looks at me at how perfect and how well I follow the law. The more bondage of being a legalist we allow in our lives, the more we live in the bondage of the law itself. I heard a man once say, if you really are a Christian, you'll go to church in a suit and a tie, and and you'll have your shoes polished so you can see your face on them, and park and walk in and pack a big Bible. That's what God demands. People buy that stuff, and probably um, more than I think, that person simply wants to be elevated themselves as opposed to what Jesus has said. Matter of fact, they'll tell you as much that Jesus has spoke to them that they have to wear a suit. But let's look, I want to share with you this morning, we had a young man come to our church this past Sunday who literally lives on the street. He packs around a guitar and most of the time he walks around with clothing that is very soiled and basically he is very unkept. During worship he came and he, he I love this, he came down on the, during the floor and, and sat on the floor and he raised his arms in worship. Then he does a backwards somersault and goes back and sits in his chair. During my, during my sermon, even when I spoke, he, he spoke out to me, and I, I looked at the young man, I said, thank you for giving me that comment. After church, we fed him, we talked with him, and we allowed him to be a part of the family itself. As a matter of fact, one of, the, one of the men in our church took this young man home, back to where he came from. See, we just loved on this young man for who he was. We didn't pass judgment on him, call the police, or let him, and we let him hang out simply. He was a lost soul, a lost soul with a broken life. See, the Holy Spirit reminded me not only to take care of the, the sheep that are well, but also to take care of the broken ones. I think that's how Jesus would have handled that day in my mind. Church isn't a place for the social life or a social club. It's a hospital for the sick and the broken people just like you and me. See, Paul always kept Jesus and the cross in front of him. The Judaizers boasted about the circumcision, but Paul boasted of, of being crucified and, and identity of with the risen Savior. He glorified the cross. Paul knew he had a relationship with the man who carried that cross, and that was Jesus. He said law and its circumcision meant nothing to him. And it shouldn't to us even today, those who are in Christ. Law-keeping doesn't make you a better person. Getting a star for going to church, dressing correctly, sitting in the right assigned seat of where you go, and it won't get you into the kingdom of heaven. Please hear me this morning on what I'm saying again. Christian faith isn't about the do's and the don'ts. Do's and the don'ts. It's about Christianity. It's about the right relationship with Jesus Christ. See, Paul says what matters most that you're a new creation, that he has been transformed into the likeness of Christ. I often struggle with the position of being called a pastor, and I'm not, I'm not a learned man by any means. I don't have a college degree, and never have I been to seminary. 
and I've never been ordained into a denomination itself. When I have the call and the commissioning, this is what happened, folks, to preach the gospel, the good news. It was a, it was, it was something that God showed for me. That I was called to be what the God, what Jesus asked of my life, to go out and preach the good news of the gospel. Yes, I did go out and get commissioned by the uh, RCA church at the time before it split. And a, a lot of that gratitude has to come from Third Church in Pella, Iowa. I love the leadership there, and I love what, how they emphasize and they raise leaders. They raise broken people, much like myself, to go back. And I appreciate that all so much. See, I believe this, that God called called me to be uh, commissioned by Jesus who died from my sins and was resurrected from the dead three days later and now sits at the right hand of the Father. Paul closes by telling the people the scars of his body. In Philippians 3.10, he says this, I want to know Christ and experience his mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him and share in his death. How many of you live this the, a life this morning of wanting to know Jesus, to go deep in your faith, not just uh, sticking your big toe in the water of a pond, but going back and running full speed and jumping head first in? Where are you in your life with Jesus today? Have you become lovesicken of wanting to go deeper in a relationship with Jesus himself? That was really what Paul was trying to say. It's not about the law. It's not about you, what you do and what you don't do. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ and by the grace of God himself. That is the focus to always keep, as Paul mentioned in his letter, always keep the cross before us, folks. It is the essential part of our life. A relationship with Jesus Christ will get you in to the kingdom of heaven. Will you pray with me this morning? Dear Jesus, again, I just want to thank you so much for this letter, an opportunity of what you had your servant, Paul Wright, to the church. Not only did it apply back in the time when Paul wrote it to the Galatian church, but it also apply, applies today in what I call the modern-day church of today. Lord, I pray that we're, like, we're, not, we're not like the Judaizers. We bring law and heavy burden upon other people about what they have to do and what they don't have to do. I pray that we are a, per, uh, a place of grace, a place that opens up their arms to all people, no matter what their race, color, creed, or whatever it might be. I pray that we go out and live life of what Jesus would have in our own life. Lord, I just thank you for what you did. Again, I thank you for taking on our sins and going to the cross to take on all of man's sin. You were the final You were the final portion of our sin. You took it on. Your blood covered our sins, Lord. And then you went and into the grave. And from the grave, you rose three days. And then at the resurrection, and then 40 days after you left this earth, you now sit at the right hand of the Father. And we look forward to the day, someday, when you return. We love you, Jesus. We praise you. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Folks, this is the ending of this this uh, this teaching. This is living. Man, has it not been a great teaching? We're going to start a new, the next week's series on discipleship. What does it mean to be a disciple? And then we're going to jump into, as we head full steam ahead, looking at Easter, 
the King of Kings. You don't want to miss the great things that we've got coming on, and I believe in Vital Ministries, and what a great teachings. I believe that, that the Holy Spirit is about to get us to listen to and to receive. I just thank you for listening this morning. I am Mike Sarig, the voice of Vital Ministries.